Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Better late than never. Welcome. Thank you. Fucking Anton Lander. I like, really like the backup drawer. Thank you. Bag milk. Yes, sir. This is Ceases. 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 Well, Ceases. Ceases. There's a lot to get to. It's draft week. Tyler, your rem check is so fucking sexy. Yes, he is. And that's where we're going to cut off the intro. It is time to get to the draft preview episode of Better Late Than Never. Welcome. I'm Bag Milk. It's your friendly neighborhood blogger here, ready to share what's going on around Oilers Nation, around the nation as a whole. A little bit later, I'm going to welcome Jason Greger to the podcast. We're going to talk all about what's happening with the Oilers leading into the draft. We're going to talk about Pooley Yarvey. We're going to talk about Smith. We're going to talk about Keith. We're going to talk about Claude Giroux. We're going to talk about all kinds of shit. Got it? Of course. But first, I got to tell you about the audio department. They are the title sponsor of the show. You can find them at theaudiodepartment.ca. They are a recording studio. The audio department works to create a safe space and create for creativity and collaboration for artists and musicians to realize the potential and share their message through sound and story. What does that mean? This is the place to record that mixtape. You've been planning it. You've been writing bar- verses. You've been spitting bars. Now it is time to get to work time to get to work. Got it? Good. Go check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. Book some recording time right there on the website. Uh, kicking off today's podcast, before we get into the draft stuff, before we get into all the news, I'm just going to say thank you. That's how we're starting the show. I'm saying thank you. A little moment of gratitude. If you remember back, if you think way back to the start of the uh, start of the 2021-2022 NHL season, I launched some Frank's Picks merch on my own little website thing. Check out the link tree in my bio on social media. I launched some Frank's Picks merch. I wanted to sell some clothes that were a little bit fun. So I got Wendy, local artist, to do it. Uh, spiced Oil. Meme Lord extraordinaire, Kennedy, our graphic designer, myself. We just came up with some designs featuring my dog, Frank, that celebrated his picks throughout the season with 100% of net proceeds going over to the Edmonton Humane Society. I set a goal for myself on the year of donating. I thought it'd be really cool if as a group, we could donate 500 bucks to the Edmonton Humane Society. Today, I was able to send over $615.78, and I just want to say thank you. (laughs) 
I think I just think that's super cool. You know, it's such a weird little niche idea to sell clothing for a dog that most of you, in fact, I pretty much all of you have never met. Yet Frank's Picks is a lot of fun for me to do. The dog loves it. You guys love it. And I love that we were able to raise a little bit of money for a great cause here at Edmonton. So $615 went over to the Edmonton Humane Society this morning. I posted it on my socials. I'm just super pumped on it. So I wanted to say thank you. Thank you again. That was super cool. We did this together without you, without the support, without the community. It doesn't happen. So amazing, amazing job. Another round of applause for all of you. All right, that's enough. Now it's time to get to business. We're talking draft. And today, or tomorrow, I guess, tomorrow's Thursday is the start of the NHL draft out in Montreal. They've got the first overall pick. Oilers pick 29th. And it just made me start to think about drafts past that we have covered at OilersNation.com and how different this is to be picking a 29th overall as opposed to first overall or fourth overall, which is where Jesse Pugliarvi was picked. Could this be his last weekend at Edmonton? I'm looking forward to asking Gregor about that, by the way. So we'll see what happens. But it made me think of all the weird times that we've had at draft parties. Because for a long time, and a lot of you know this, well, all of you know this if you're Oilers fans, this was our Stanley Cup. This was the time when we had to celebrate another year of just futility, just an awful, disastrous season. I think back to the Aikens era. Remember when he first came into town? Took away all the snacks from the press, made them eat carrots and celery and shit. We thought we were on to something. This guy had done all kinds of stuff with the Toronto Marlies, and you damn it, he was going to do it with the Edmonton Oilers. What happened? More lottery picks. Since I've been working at Oilers Nation, we were throwing draft parties. Like the first year I was full time at Oilers Nation, mind you, I was working years before that just as like a, a part time contractor, a little bit here, a little bit there. First one we ever did was for Leon Drysidle. Leon Drysidle, that feels like forever ago, doesn't it? That's eight years ago. That was my first draft party that we organized and threw. Well, at least that I was a part of. Eight years of those. Next year is Connor McDavid. Amazing. You know? And then from there, we had just different versions of the same party over and over again in the spring. And this year, I got to say, it's super nice not to even know what's going on, isn't it? At least for me, like, maybe it's just the work that went into it and just, I guess it's not fun to celebrate a 29th overall pick, but for all of us Oilers fans, isn't it nice to know nothing about what's going on with the draft because our team was playing not that long ago. Isn't that the way it should be? Isn't that the way it should be? That's what the audio department thinks. Anyway, they think we should be picking late in the first round. Why? Because that means the Oilers were good. Damn it. And that means we had another fun year being Oilers fans. Who doesn't want that? We all want that. The audio department wants that. So I guess this year, 2022, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it's going to be a draft, a normal one. This isn't a COVID draft. They're in person where we kind of get a break at the top of the order. Tomorrow, of course, I will have the draft day live blog as I always do. For all of you that are at work, I'm going to have it all on Oilers Nation right on the front page, all the rumors, all the speculation, what's going on around the Pacific Division. I'm going to organize all of that stuff into a tidy little space that you can just follow along with all day from your day job. I, on the other hand, don't have a day job. 
well, a real job anyway. So that means that I can put together a live blog for all of us to sit and bullshit about what the Oilers did or what they did not do in most cases. And that's what I'm going to ask Jason about. Do you think that the hype and the rumors and the speculation and all that stuff that happened so far over the last couple of weeks, do you think any of that's going to actually come to fruition? Or is it going to be another draft week where we kind of skate through and nothing really happens? Nothing really happens. We will find out. And that's when we kick off the news. The news is brought to you by Arcadia Brewing. Check them out at Arcadia Yeg. That's the website. Arcadia Brew Co. on Twitter. Arcadia Brewing Co. on Instagram. And as I do every week, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to beg of you, head down there and pick up some Whistling Pigs. Those beers are delicious. Delicious. So, of course, the NHL draft is coming up tomorrow. Where do the Oilers pick? Well, your old boy Bag Milk has got all the answers for you, you know? First round, 29th overall. But then what happens? Nothing until the fifth round. That is 158th overall. Sixth round, 190th. Seventh round is 222nd. So my question for all of you listening and for Ken Holland, I guess, out in the ether. Of course, he's a subscriber to Better Late Than Never, I'm sure. Will there be other trades? Will Holland trade down from 29 to try and get a pick in the second and third round as an example? He's done it twice so far in the past where he's traded down to get more picks would this be another year where he does that again there's only four picks not a lot to do there in the second third and fourth round he's going to be twiddling his thumbs maybe working on a sudoku that's not a good look plenty to do well we'll see what happens there obviously the big news that's going on around oil country around oilers nation is yes a pulley and it does seem like he is on his way out i don't like it I've said it last week. I ranted about it. I hate this. Now, we know the Oilers say they're not going to trade him for a draft pick. That makes me happy because that's just a step backwards. But who is the reclamation project that they're going to get back in return this time? I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about what we're going to get. I'm nervous about a downgrade in skill. I'm nervous. I've got flashbacks. I'm not going to lie. This reminds me of Eberle for Strom for Spooner. I'm not saying Yessa is Jordan Eberle. He's not. He could be, but he's not. I don't want to downgrade in skill. We need upgrades, not downgrades. What's going to happen there? Will he even get traded this weekend? Ken Holland today in his pre-draft presser said, this could stretch all summer. He said already he is going to be patient with this. He did it a few years ago and Yessa went back to Finland. No reason not to do the same thing this time around. But when does this happen? For one, I would love for it to get love for it to get done this weekend just because we can stop talking about it. Then at least we can start arguing about the return as opposed to the merits of moving him. Again, I don't think that the Oilers should trade Yes Pugliarvi. I think he can contribute to the team. I think he's a hell of a player. And I think there's room to grow for this kid. But if he's going to get traded, I would rather it just happen this weekend because, man, I'm tired of arguing about this. I would at least rather argue about something different. It's like arguing about vanilla ice cream and why it's the best all the time. Well, at least if you get a trade, then you can start talking about chocolate and strawberry. What else is in the rest of that Neapolitan ice cream? Let's argue about that. We'll see what happens. I, again, for the record, on the podcast, once again, I'm saying I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't like it. But unfortunately, nobody asked my opinion, even though I believe that they absolutely should. Right? Of 
Good. What about Zach Cassian? What about Tyson Berry? Those are guys that we've linked, heard their names linked to trades for a while now, both to try and get some extra cap space. Cassian's at 3.2 until, and that expires in the summer of 2024. Tyson is at 4.5. Again, that expires in the summer of 2024. Both guys I could see coming back. Both guys I could see going out. Tyson Berry, I would imagine, has more value than a Zach Cassian does, but what the hell do I know? Nobody is asking my opinion. Nobody. Hey, Frank, you want to stop chewing on that? Don't mind me. My dog is chewing on things, and he knows I'm recording. He's staring at me as I'm speaking into the microphone. He is not listening whatsoever. Frank, hey, I don't want that, buddy. I don't want that. Again, he gives no fucks about me. He gives no fucks. Just kidding. Uh, What about Zach Cassian and Tyson Berry? Is there going to be anyone that wants to take Cass at 3.2? What kind of sweetener is that going to be? Are they actually going to buy them out? I think that I'm pretty sure the window, the first buyout window closes on July 12th. So there's still some time, six days from the time I'm recording here on July 6th. But did they do it? Tyson Berry, he contributed well. Played de- He played pretty strongly down the stretch. Looked good with Brett Kulak. Will he be back next year? Or are they going to trade him to somebody to try and get some of that cap space back. They could use the $4.5 million. So far, we've heard Detroit and Seattle may be of interest to, uh, in Tyson Berry, I should say. What'll happen there? How about Duncan Keith? That would be another name that could potentially in fact, uh, impact Tyson Berry. We still don't have an answer on what's going to go on with Duncan Keith. I think that that is one where if he decides that he's done, he decides that he's going to retire... And according to TSN's Ryan Rashog, it is a possibility, maybe more so than some people expected. Well, does that mean Tyson Berry stays around? Because you can't just get rid of all your defensemen. You can't just do 100% turnover over in a year after you went to the Western Conference Finals. We know Darnell Nurse is going to be back. We know he doesn't need surgery. So I'm going to be assuming, though I don't know for sure, that he'll be ready to go for the start of the season. Evan Bouchard's going to be around. Hopefully, Brett Kulak's going to be around. Cody Cece will be around. But then what do we got? Who are the other spots? Having Barry slash Keith traded slash retire. Hey, all of a sudden, you got, what is that? Uh, A little Uramchuk math. That's almost $10 million to spend. What happens there? What happens with Evander Kane? How long are we going to wait around for Evander Kane and a decision to be made on that? I don't know. But that could impact the rest of your to-do list as we navigate the offseason. That is a risk in itself. It's a risk in itself. What about the rumor from yesterday? Man, I didn't see this one coming. Claude Giroux? Come on. A thousand, one thousand and eighteen games for Claude Giroux. 294 goals, 629 assists, 923 total points. This guy is still putting up points at 34 years old. The thing that I don't know, I'm going to ask Gregor about it when he jumps on here in a little bit. Would Claude Giroux want to come to Edmonton? I didn't expect to hear that name tied to the Oilers in a million years, but a couple of different guys, including Elliot Friedman, said, hey, could be a possibility. It could happen. What is that like? Is that the hedge on the Evander Kane situation or is that the plan A? Where does Claude Giroux fit into the whole Evander Kane thing? Again, the grievance is still going on. We may not have an answer until after free agency started or starts. So I just want, I'd love to know. I need to know. I want to know. I demand to know. How long are the Oilers willing to wait? 
for Evander King. In that, Ken Holland said today in his pre-draft press conference that within the next 10 days, he would like to have a situation sorted out net. What does that mean? Jack Campbell has been rumored to be a player of interest for the Edmonton Oilers. Right now, according to some of the insiders, it looks like Jack Campbell's options potentially could be Edmonton and New Jersey. If I'm Jack Campbell, here's what I want to know. Are you chasing the bag or are you chasing a chance to win? Because if those are your two options, they're very clear differences to me. In New Jersey, you go there, they've got young players. They're not going to win shit next year. You chase that bag if you go out to New Jersey, Jack Campbell. You chase that bag. And I'll understand it. And you know what? I would even give you props for it. Yeah! But if you come to Edmonton, I'm going to ask that you take a little bit of a discount, my guy, because we don't have a whole lot of space and you got a better chance to win. Now, that said, this is his show me, or this is his money-making contract. He's 30 years old. Frank, please. Hey, stop. Stop, man. I don't want you chewing on that, my guy. This guy is just, when I'm recording, he gives no fucks. I respect it in a way. I really, really do. Um, But Jack Campbell, if he signs here in Edmonton, he's not going to do it for a total discount. He's not going to take the same money he did last year in Toronto. You know he wants to set himself up. He's 30 years old. This could be his last big chance at a contract. Of course, I don't know. Who knows what the future tells? What is going on with Jack Campbell and the Edmonton Oilers? Those are some questions that I've got going into the draft, and those are questions that I've got coming up for Jason Greger right after the break. It's a quick round of the news. We're going to have a lot more to talk about after the draft, but right now, there are a lot of questions. The news, once again, brought to you by Arcadia Brewing. Check them out, ArcadiaYeg.com, Arcadia Brew Co. on Twitter, Arcadia Brewing Co. on Instagram. Oh, Reby Pirates! You're listening to the Barrel Eat Them Never! For some reason, I've got a pirate thing in Northern Ireland accent. Sorry, yes. You might have heard me before. It's the donkey. Oh, me hearties! Oh, lovely. For Trilogy Oil Field Rentals, I'm happy to welcome Jason Greger to the podcast. He is in Montreal for the NHL draft. Second time in a matter of weeks that he's been back in Montreal. Uh, but first, Trilogy Oil Field Rentals, they are an established provider of oil field rental tools with full time operating units at Provost, Weyburn, and Kindersley. They also provide Seasonal and project-specific stations in Fort St. John, Fort McMurray, Lac La Biche, and others as customers require. Jason, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Hey, buddy. I'm hoping I'm as reliable as the tools from uh, Trilogy. Absolutely. You know what? If you got a job to do, Trilogy is there for you. I don't know what any of these are, but they do, and that's what matters. Yeah, but I worked in the oil field. I know what they are. So we, well, we get into it. We can talk about some... Uh, yeah, let's talk about a little piping and uh, and ball valves and stuff like that, buddy. Got to have to get you to do a walkthrough on some of these because I have no idea. <laughs> Jason, you're out in Montreal. Uh, second time in a matter of weeks, as I mentioned. You were there a few weeks back for the Canadian Grand Prix in F1. I'm new to F1 this year. I did what everybody did. I watched Drive to Survive on Netflix. Loved it. Got into watching the races. You were actually there, though. So my first question is, what is it like as a spectator sport to watch F1? Well, it's definitely different because depending on where you're sitting on the track, right? Like the cars come by you for a second and then they're gone um, for, for a while. So uh, depending if, if you have a good uh, spot where there's a TV across that, that you can watch to see what's going on, 
it's definitely different. Now uh, we went and we went in the uh, the paddock club, so you're right above the pits, and uh, we were literally right above the alpine pits. We're, we're right below us, and, and then there was uh, McLaren right there. So t- to me, it was very unique just to see that part of it. Um, you know, you got to walk through the pits and different things. So a lot of behind the scenes. The race itself, um, at, at times I would say might be better on, on TV, except for like watching the pits and, and seeing that. And then also just the speed and the sound and, and the hype uh, was great. It's it's one where I was, you know, I was excited. I went and, um, you know, it was more so like my wife's a huge F1 fan, more than I'm an F1 fan. My wife and son, like, you know, they're idiots. They're up at seven in the morning on Sundays watching the races. And so, um, like usually I get up early anyway. So all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're watching the race. And I'm like, what is going on? Because my wife is not like a a regular sports tuner, right? Like mm-hmm. she likes playoff hockey and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, her nephew now plays. So she'll watch some of his games. But yeah, like she's recording all the F1. I think like you, she liked it because of the drive to survive. And she knows the personalities. She's a huge Lewis Hamilton fan. She just thinks he's like such a really nice person. And um, you know, I'm sure he's not bad to look at either. So that helps. But um, you know what? It, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoy. I'll say this. Like it was a well-oiled machine, man, to get in there. Because where the, the track is in Montreal, it's, it's almost like on this little island. So, you know, you have to take the metro to get across. You can walk across the bridge. But it would be like an hour. Uh, to walk back into the main one. So, but once you get on course, man, like it is, there is everything that you need, uh, unless you want a cocktail. That's my only complaint about F1. Really? So when we're in the paddock club, you could have Heineken beer, wine, and mimosas. That's it for alcohol. So I haven't drank that many mimosas in my life. I drank more champagne at the F1 than I have in my entire life. No lie. They keep their sponsorships tight then, I suppose, huh? Oh, really tight. <laughs> did, you up, did you watch the race this past weekend? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, I was gonna, you know what? The, hey, was it lap uh, like 43 and 44? They were unreal. Right when you had the fun, they're, you know, they're going back and forth. And that was awesome, right? Like, you know, signs pulled away, but then you got Hamilton and Perez and, and, uh, and Charles Leclerc. They're all battling it out. It was that that was uh that was pretty unique obviously a pretty scary crash to, to start the race but you know I, I like it because I, i've actually said lately indycar has been more entertaining to watch because on any given week certain guys can win in, in f1 it's basically ferrari and red bull and i hope that changes it would be nice if you could have more teams that had a legit shot to win that's what i didn't expect coming into the sport i didn't realize that it was basically a two or three team race and then there was everybody else. That's what I yeah. did not expect. Yeah. Coming it kinda, it makes it a little bit anticlimactic. You're just like, okay, which one's winning? So that's kind of turned me off a little bit. So I'm, I'm, now this is the first year of the, you know, so-called uh, salary cap, if we want to use a hockey term, yep. right, on, on it. So uh, we'll see. It, it might be more intriguing later in the year when when uh, when teams are getting penalized and, you know, starting positions are, are uh, dropping back. We saw that with uh, with Leclerc um, in, uh, in, in uh, Montreal few weeks ago. So that, that, that could play into it a little bit, but I would, I would like to see the teams become more competitive and then you're going to see, you know, which driver is the best. As for the reason you're actually in Montreal right now, we got the draft coming up tomorrow, which is Thursday and Friday. They moved it up a day. Uh, is that a little bit weird from your perspective? You go every year, but like, I think they feel they can, well, I thought if they were moving it up, that they might have the evening draft on Friday, but they're not. It's going to start at uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, 9 a.m. in uh, in Edmonton, and um, so I don't know if you'll have that many viewers. Uh, it is on TV now, the Friday one, which didn't always used to be on all the time, so that's a benefit. But uh, the Thursday night, 
I think it's like anything. Can, I know it's only one day, but they want free agency to start a little bit earlier. So it's starting, you know, next Wednesday. You know, you, you've got to condense summer again due to, to the COVID and the late start to the season. So I'm sure that plays part in it. But I just want to say this. Please, no more free agency on July 1st. Three years in a row without it, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving that I can celebrate Canada Day without having to work. And guess what? July 13th now, diehard hockey fans, you're, you're still going to get all your information. Now you just won't have to disrupt your family events because you'll sit at work or working from home and you'll follow along. I think it's a win-win. So I hope they never go back to free agency on July 1st. I couldn't agree. I'm glad you said that. I couldn't agree with you more because... I'm always at my house doing the live blogs at ON. I'm right, you know, whatever happens with the Oilers and free agency, I'm stuck in my house. This year I was at the lake having cocktails by the fire, making hot dogs on the fire. It was excellent. Yes. No more Canada Day free agency. Please. No. Please. Yeah. So right now, as right now, as it stands right now, the Oilers pick 29th and then not again till the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds where their next pick is up at 158. If you're to guess, do you think Ken Holland walks up and picks at 29, or do you think he's going to do what he did last year and maybe trade down and try and get some more bullets? Well, I, I think it all depends on is the player that they like there, then to me, because remember, they moved down two spots last year, and then they got the 90th pick, Yep. right? So let's say they work, they, they moved down from 29 to 33, right? Because at the most, 32 or something like that. What pick are you getting with that? Right, you're getting like in, in 100. So, if you really like a guy, is it is it worth it to pass on him just to get a 100th pick, which has like an 8% chance of making it? I wouldn't think so. So, um, and, and historically, I actually looked at it. There, there hasn't been a lot of trade downs from the 29th spot in, in recent memory, some from 25 and 6. So, it's possible. The uncertainty of this draft is what's going to be the intrigue to me because um, from like 21 to 45, You've got lots of guys, and depending on which team likes which guy, if if there's a team behind Edmonton and it gets to pick 29 and there's somebody that that team had on their board at 21, then they might pick up the phone and say, hey, Ken Holland, do you want to trade down? And and Ken Holland's group and Tyler Wright might be like, well, yeah, we got three guys here, and you know what, uh, we still think they're available, so you know we'll roll the dice. So it, it's possible. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how likely or how needed it is, I'd rather, if you're really high in a player, just take him at 29, right? Uh, quantity isn't always better than, than quality at the draft. It'll be interesting to see what happens too, because there's a lot of rumors tied around the Oilers right now. I know you guys were talking about him a little bit on the rundown. What's the latest from your perspective on a guy like Yesapuli Arvi? Do you think he gets moved at the draft, or is this one of those ones that maybe drags on into the summer a little bit more than Oilers fans expect? Well, because he's not going to get traded for a pick straight up. So that's why I don't think it has to happen at the draft, right? Yeah. Like, in, unless it's part of another deal, uh, per se, it could happen. Um, I, I know right now there's about four or five teams. Two of them, uh, Carolina and Nashville, are two that uh, that I know have kicked tires on uh, on Yesopoli And so Ken Holland is looking for an NHL player in return, likely an unfinished product. Like, Yesopoli Arvey... You know what? Uh, I, I don't think he's as bad as his detractors. And I don't think he's as elite as his diehard supporters. I think he's somewhere uh, in between. I think he's an NHL player, no question. And at worst case scenario, he'll have a 10-year career as a third liner. I think that's worst case scenario. So, you know, that's a legit player. Um, to me, I think he's got top six potential. And and it really just comes down to can he improve his puck skills. If he does, I think Gessa Pugliarvi could be a, a very effective player for, for your team. 
And so Ken Holland, I think, understands that. He's not just going to give him away. He didn't give him away three years ago. I don't expect him to give him away now. It's just a matter of can he find an organization that has a player that's kind of similar, right? Not necessarily a right winger, but somebody who, you know, um, has some upside that the organization there, they're not high in him, but they'll be high in Pugliarvi. That's how I view it. But So I don't think it's a must that it has to happen tomorrow. But but I do know that um, obviously the GM means going on uh, later this afternoon. Uh, I'm sure that will spur on more conversation. But, you know, Ken Holland's been around the block enough that um, I, he's not going to give away Yesa Pugliarvi. When I talked to Ken on, what day was that, Monday? If that said, I'm not, I'm not giving him away, nor should he. Why, like, why would he? Like, Yessel Pugliarvi is a legit bona fide NHL player. You don't give those guys away just because you, you, you only focus on what he doesn't do. He still does a lot of things right, and I think at times that's maybe gotten lost. I think there's any opportunity to kind of rebuild the relationship a little bit regardless of what's going on, or do you kind of see this as end of the road? Yeah, I, I like to put it this way. Um, I'm sure you've had maybe in your life or some of the listeners, you know, you have your buddy or yourself and you're dating a girl or dating a guy and everything's getting along great. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Yeah, there's just something missing here. So then you break up, right? You go around and then, oh, geez, let's get back together. Cause God, you know, now I'm only focusing on what you, what I missed from you, not all the things that annoyed me. And so I, I think like they had a little bit of a split up. It wasn't due to Ken Holland, right? He had nothing to do with that with Pugliarvi, but yep. I just think the second time around, I, I think Pugliarvi's a little bit more open to see, hey, uh, is the is the grass greener somewhere else? Another thing that's on Oilers fans' minds right now, uh, we're waiting on Mike Smith and Duncan Keith. Uh, Darren Dreger was reporting that it looks like Mike Smith go, may go to the LTIR yes. next year. Duncan Keith, that's a different question. Ryan Rashog says, listen, he's legitimately considering shutting it down. This guy's had a Hall of Fame career, won basically everything there is to win at this level. Does he want to keep doing it? Do you think those waiting for those guys is like really putting kind of a delay on getting started on the offseason or are the others already planning for either way? I, I think the Mike Smith one really isn't. I think if Mike Smith even announces he was going to play, that either way they, they had to find another goalie because uh, they didn't want to go in with a, a raw rookie in case, you know, because Smith's now it's two years in a row he's been injured. When he's healthy, he plays great, but he's been injured. So you have to look at it realistically that way. I, I think an LTIR for Smith makes a lot of sense for, for all parties involved. Like his body's banged up. There's there's no real debate about that. Um, Duncan Keith's an interesting one. Um, I was having a conversation with, with, uh, with Frank about it, and Frank thought that Keith had, had – considered retiring in Chicago and Chicago didn't want him to because of a cap recapture penalty. Well, once they trade him, that's out of their hands. Right. And so Duncan Keith, he had a lot of fun last year. Right. I I think, I think the Oilers playoff success is what's making this decision harder for him. Honestly, I I think he might've just said, man, I had an unreal career. He he had that $72 million contract. He's made 70.5 million of it. I think he's fine financially. So, you know, the extra million and a half isn't enough for him to be like, gosh, I got to keep playing. But I think he might be torn to think, geez, like like David, those guys are really good. Like, I come back for another year. Who knows? Maybe we can win again. But, you know, does he want to put in all the work? Um, If you would have asked me right at the end of the season, I would have said 10% chance he retires. Yeah. Now I think it's it's 50-50, maybe even higher in favor that he retires slightly. Yeah. So um, it is a big decision, harder than some people think. Like, I know I get that fans are just like, get rid of him, it opens up cap space. Well, Duncan Keith doesn't really care about that that much, right? He's like, yeah. 
am I mentally ready to walk away from something I've committed the last, his whole life really, but the last 20 years professionally. So that that's a tough decision, but it, that the, the Duncan Keith one impacts it more because if Keith comes back, then they might have to trade Tyson Berry just for cap reasons. Right. But if Keith doesn't come back, then I think they're keeping uh, Tyson Berry because you can't lose Keith and potentially Kulak and Berry. Right. That's, that's half of your top six, yeah. right. In one off season, you, you like the chances of you upgrading all three are pretty rare. So I think there is a, there is more of a, of a consequences based on the Keith one where I think Mike Smith, regardless of, of if he gives them a concrete answer or not, I think they're looking for another goal. There's also the, the uh, Darnell nurse question, like how healthy will he be at the start of the season? We just got the preseason schedule yesterday though, where there's going to be kicking off in September. Is Darnell going to be healthy enough to go? So but it has no surgery for that. So uh, they, um, everybody I've talked to says that, yeah, he should be fine. Like that, that's a, the, the recovery from that. Uh, he doesn't require surgery. Um, it, it was something like, you know, six weeks from the end of the season for it to recover. Pro- and I'm sure, hey, you know what, they'll do all the proper rehab and stuff. But uh, yeah, nurse nurse should be fine to start the season. Uh, just since we're talking about some playoff injuries, I saw this morning Leon Drysaddle on his Instagram account. He's back in the gym. Ankle looks fine. That guy is just an absolute machine. Didn't even want to admit he was injured. I love it. Uh, another guy that was kind of surprising to see his name tied to the Oilers this this week. Who knows if it happens or not, but it's fun to talk about. Claude Giroux, that is a name that I did not expect to be tied to the Oilers whatsoever. What's your take on that potential fit here in Edmonton? I, I would say for me, I would be floored if Claude Giroux came to Edmonton. He, he's a veteran player. He's 34 years of age, turns 35 in January. He's always played in the East Coast. He's played in Philly, really good travel, right? Then he went on the beaches of Florida. Does And I get the, uh, the now, the McDavid dry sidle two points a game in the playoffs, that opened up some eyes. There's no question about that. People are just like, damn, right? Like, mm-hmm. we got a pretty good chance there. But I don't know if, if an East Coast guy who's never played in the West at his age is going to say, hey, I'll come and take on all the extra travel. Because make no mistake, it is a transition for guys. Now, if you if you grew up in the West or you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid from the East and you start your career in the West, that's all you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But when you're used to the travel of the East and you've been doing it for 13, 14 years like Giroux and suddenly now you're in the West, he'll be like, what is happening, right? I, I think, so I, I'll be floored if, uh, if that occurs. Well, because a lot of those guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're back in their own beds after away games on the East Coast, are they not? Well, some of them, yeah, certain trips they are, right? Like Philly, New York, New Jersey, the Islanders, those places are, are, are pretty close, yeah. Um, depending on, you know, if they're playing back-to-back. But, yeah, th- there's more of th- that little pocket area, definitely. Like the New York guys, like, heck, I know they take the train to some away games sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a different, uh, you know, Edmonton's closest place is Calgary, right? And you're, you're obviously you're flying there. Like you're not busing or anything like that. So, and, but it's more so like the trips – there's nothing really close to Edmonton other than Calgary. Like even Vancouver's, you know, like that's a shorter flight, but you get to LA, you get to Anaheim, San Jose, you know, those are still three hour flights minimum. So. Yep. Uh, We're working through the rumors here that are going on around the Oilers. Jason Greger joining me from the Jason Greger show. This one is interesting to me because like you mentioned earlier, regardless of what happens with Mike Smith, the Oilers are probably going to be looking for a goaltender. One name that's come up that has Oilers fans almost panicking is Jack Campbell. 
who knows whether that happens or not? Who knows what he's looking for? But what's your take on a guy like Jack Campbell coming to Edmonton? Is he an upgrade on Smith? Is he a fit for this team? Would the money work? What are your thoughts around a guy like that? I like how you worded that. Is he an upgrade on Smith? Because I'm going to tell you, the owners aren't going to find a starting goalie who gave them value per dollar like Mike Smith the last two years. He was a $2 million cap hit player with the sixth best save percentage over two years. Now, he didn't play a lot of the games. Sure. But, you know, Ville Husso, Jack Campbell are both going to be commanding more money than that, maybe upwards of, you know, $5 million. Well, Husso should be less. Um, I, I think if you had to wage, I, I think Husso might be ranked a little higher in the eyes of the Edmonton Orders because of his cap hit as well, right? Um, Jack Campbell has shown he can play in a Canadian market that, you know what, that he can handle all the, uh, the scrutiny factor. Um you know, they have Zach Hyman internally that they can do a, a real good intel with if they want from a personality standpoint. And I do think that matters. Um, Jack Campbell's beloved by his teammates. I, I think that's important for some teams. And, you know, Jack Campbell had a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season, right? He had an unreal start. Then he uh, had a dip in his play and then he came back fairly strong. So uh, to me, it's all about term. Jack Campbell's one of those guys who this is his home run contract. Right. And and he's worked a long time. Like he's never made a lot of money by NHL standards. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I can understand if he's like a five times five type of guy. Right. Like you set yourself up forever. So I understand it. Um, you know, I, do the orders want to go that high? They might have no choice because did you see the uh, the dismiss signing in Pittsburgh? To me, yeah. you know, I'm not sure how high he was originally. And then the Penguins are like, hey, we don't want to miss the boat here on the on the goalie carousel. Because there's more teams looking for goalies and there are goalies that you can rely on right now. So I, I think you, I think we might see, uh, you know, some quick signings of the goalies in, in free agency starting next Wednesday, just because, you know, like teams don't want them. And I, I think, you know, George Ebb, I think, has a really good chance to get traded by the New York Rangers uh, uh, this week based on past history of backup guys being moved. Um, and I keep hearing Jack Campbell to New Jersey. And if that's the case, well, then Mackenzie Blackwood becomes a trade target. Uh, lots of names going on around the silly season as we head into the draft. This is one of those ones where we've covered it at Oilers Nation for, you know, this was our Stanley Cup for a long time. And now it's a little bit different. The Oilers pick in 29th. Yeah, Oilers fans like, geez, I can have a nap at the start of the draft. Yeah. And be like, God, this is boring. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. lot boring when it's not your team early in the draft. Although there might be some, uh, there might be some moves early on. I'm, now, of course, I, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm always captain chaos when it comes to the draft. I want a few trades and stuff. But um, yeah, for order fans, wait until 29. Right. Uh, I'll just say this. Here's my precursor. Don't freak out. Oh, I can't believe they picked this guy when you've never watched him play. <laughs> yeah, that happened last year when they traded down to get Xavier Borgo. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the goalie I, that was, was available. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think, though, like we've been doing this a long time, do you think this could be another one of those years where the hype leading into the draft is actually matched by what happens? Or is this going to be another one where we're talking rumors, we're talking movement, we're talking speculation, and then it goes, oh, well, Ken Holland walked up, took the 29th pick, and that was it for night one? Well, I, I don't think there's been that much hype about, like, the, the, the bigger possibility is the orders trade down from 29, which isn't really that exciting, right? Um, to me, the interesting thing about this year's draft is everybody I've talked to, there's lots of scouts here, leading, even Tyler Wright said on my show that the uncertainty of this draft is what makes it exciting. And uncertainty is that there's that pocket of players, you know, from 20 to, to and for these are for later picks, to 41, where there's not much separating them. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to come down to which team likes which guy and why. 
And I think we could easily see some some picks in the second round that turn out to be better than the first rounders. And people will say, oh, they screwed up. Here's the fact. They're 18, some are 17. You're drafting guys based on their 17-year-old season, thinking that you know for sure who's going to project to be the best in five years is the most inane comment ever. And these are and the scouts do a good job when you consider it, but there's so many factors, injuries, development, you know, some guys peak at 17 physically, right? Like they just don't grow anymore, right? Sure, they can get stronger, but they stop growing. Other guys keep growing and getting bigger and faster. So, you know, and then the mental part of it. But to me, well, is the top of the draft, we don't even know who's number one, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, it might be Slavkovsky. It might be uh, Shane Wright. If it is Slavkovsky, New Jersey doesn't really need a center, right? Um, they might pass on Shane Wright or trade down, and then the draft is on. And I think it, uh, that's it's fighting. But what's intriguing to me, Mikey, is the names of players that are like, yes, I'll pull you over. Now, he's not a big name league-wide, but in Edmonton, he's a very um, – topical personality for sure, right? There's, there seems to be a lot of love or hate for him, depending on which side you're on. Then you throw in potential of Tyson Berry. What about JT Miller in uh, in Vancouver? What if Goudreau tests free agency? Um, uh, Vladdy Tarasenko, Frank has him on his trade board because he's never rescinded his trade request from St. Louis, right? Um, Jacob Chikrin in Arizona said, I don't want to be here for uh, if we're just going to be crap. Right. Because that's the organization's plan, I think, for the next few years. So there is some legit like Nazem Kadri might change teams. Like when was the last time you could have had three or four players with 85 plus points changing teams? We've already seen one in Kevin Fiala. Like to me, that's that's almost unheralded in the, in the NHL. If you have four or five guys with 85 plus points changing teams in one offseason, you're slowly becoming the NBA. And that's good for offseason news. Well, the NBA is wild. Like even the Kevin Durant situation that's going on right now is pretty fun to watch. Um, let's talk about the Pacific Division because you brought up Kevin Fiala. He went to Los Angeles. They just signed him to that big ticket contract. I'm expecting a handful of teams in the Pacific to get better than they were last year. I don't think Vegas is going to be as beat up as they necessarily were. LA maybe takes a step forward. They just added Fiala, as I mentioned. Does that add more pressure on Ken Holland to make some moves and get this going forward? Because the trip to the Western Conference Final was a great time. I went to a bunch of games. We partied in the streets. But does that add an extra layer of pressure on Ken Holland here? I don't know if it's extra pressure, right? Like, like Edmonton still won the Pacific. So, you know what? Uh, right now, they're the top guy. And uh, they still have 97 and 29. So that, that's two, uh, two, two major bullets in your gun that other teams just can't match. But yeah, like they can't take a step back in in how their team looks, but that's going to be really hard because you can't just replace Evander Kane if he walks, right? Like there's no other free agent that you're going to say, okay, Kane walks, we'll slide this guy in, right? Like you're never going to do it at the cap hit, obviously, but but even just the skill level, right? So um, Frank Saravalli floated a very unique one today is that, uh, you know, maybe Esopoy Yarby's involved in a trade to San Jose that includes the rights to Evander Kane's old contract. And I'm like, so you're telling me teammates are getting traded for one another while they were on the same team? That's unreal. <laughs> so what that was that? a that was a funny scenario to to see if that could uh, could play out potentially. So you know that Evander Kane situation. There's another thing we've never seen in the off season yeah. before. So it's just there, there's so much going on this year. I, I, like Ken Holland's pressure isn't more so what the other teams are doing. It's more so what his team did, and now he has to maintain that level. 
How long do you how long do you wait around for a Vander Kane? Because it's been reported by Pierre Lebrun that the grievance hearing may not actually take place or be resolved until after free agency starts. Well, then you're running the risk of missing out on some guys that maybe you had on your on your on your list. How long can you wait around for a guy like a Vander Kane for this situation? As you mentioned, is weird to get resolved. Well, the interesting one to me is. I think if, if a team offers Evander Kane five million or five years at seven mil, I think he drops his uh, his case against San Jose because he got all his money plus more, and then they they move on. And I think that's what the NHL is kind of hoping here because NHL teams can sign Evander Kane anybody officially on Wednesday. They don't have to wait till the arbitration hearing if you want to sign him. And I think part of that is the NHL and even the PA because neither side really wants this to go to arbitration and have a precedent set. Right, Because if the arbitrator rules in favor of Kane, that hurts the team. But if the arbitrator rules in favor of the San Jose Sharks, well, that's a real kick in the nuts to the NHLPA. And, and this might open the door for other teams to want to do it. So I'm, neither side wants this to go to arbitration. Funny enough, like, like the NHLPA as a group, the Kane camp definitely does because they feel they got a case. And it's about him. He doesn't care about the rest of the group, nor should he. He cares about himself. But – I do wonder if if he gets a, a deal that pays him more, that that means that uh, they just say, okay, you know what, we're uh, we're out, we don't care, we're going to drop our uh, our lawsuit on. It'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Uh, let's get away from the the NHL a little bit. I need to I need to know about this story you wrote about yesterday, or you mentioned in your article yesterday at OethersNation.com. What's going on with your Ramchuk at the airport? Well, check baggage. What a fail. So Ty's on the plane with me. We didn't go there together. Um, so he's sitting a few rows and I'm like, hey, let's just share a cab, right? Now I have check bags. I always take check bags. I just assume he has a check bag. So as we're walking off, he's like, yeah, I got to get my check luggage. Pardon? So I'm like, okay. So 40 minutes I'm waiting there twiddling my thumbs, which is fine. I just like chirping about him. Now he did have a lot of equipment that he had to bring, right? Um, I fed all my equipment into one uh, backpack. I'm, you know what? Uh, and it's a little awkward to carry, but I'm like, I don't have to check bags. Plus, then there's no risk of it getting lost. Yep. Um, and then, so to add a little uh, pain for your Remchuk, I guess he, there's some piece missing on his camera. And so as we're speaking right now, my, he is gallivanting across Montreal, searching in Best Buy to find this, uh, this magical piece to allow him to do the, uh, uh, the, the daily face-off show with Frank on video. So um, I'm sure, you know what, uh, I, I wish I could have a video just following your Remchuk because I know he, he sprinted out of the hotel you know, just his hair was on fire. It was like he was running out in inf- one of his, you know, his little infield hits that he always gets in slow pitch because he yep. doesn't have any power. So uh, he was trying to, you know, beat out another <laughs> infield hit, wheeling down the first baseline as he wheeled out of the hot, out of the hotel. <laughs> he is having some travel adventures here because I don't know if you heard this story, but when he was in Vegas for what would that have been the All Star Game, he just he tried to check into the wrong hotel. So Tyler is having some adventures of travel. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! Jeez, mix in a water, your Remchuk. Yeah, he in Vegas. If I remember correctly, he went to the MGM Grand despite staying at the Park MGM. So Tyler's having some adventures as Ooh, he travels. Tough one. Going tough on. one. Um, we're we're in Montreal for the draft coming up this weekend. What are you expecting, just from your perspective as an attendee? They had some online drafts over the last couple of years due to COVID. Now everybody's back in the mix. What's the vibe like down there from your perspective? Well, buddy, it's going to be rocking because first time, it, and really the first time since the draft has been a massive spectacle like it is, 
it's going to be a sold out crowd in Montreal. They got the first overall pick. So, that, you know, they don't know who they're taking. There's going to be lots of hype and, and intrigue. And the Habs also have a, a pick later in the first round, right? There's all these rumors that they might try to trade for the second pick too. So I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue that the Habs fans are emotional to begin with. And I mean that passionately in a good way. So I think it's just going to be heightened. So there'll be a buzz. Uh, you know, it'd be great for the drafted players to, to get that excitement of hearing their name called. And it doesn't matter. Right. Like your name called, whether it's in the first round, second round, fourth round, when your name gets called, man, for those moments, that is such an unreal um, deal for for these players and their families. So um, I, I think it's I think the teams are happy to be back here. Um, everybody's happy to be back. And, you know, the city's a buzz with with draft hype. And I think it's only going to build tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to, to being back. I, I was here in 2009. And it's funny, the Montreal draft, the one I always remember. Because I remember on day two when the orders traded uh, Kyle Brodziak to Minnesota, and I was like, God, that's a bad trade. Because they picked Marc-Antoine Pouliot over Brodziak. And I was like, meh, that's not going to work out. And uh, it obviously did not. Because also, I think there was uh, the draft pick they sent to Minnesota they used to take Darcy Kemper. Not saying the orders would have used it on Darcy Kemper, but it basically turned out to be Kemper and Brodziak. So that, that was obviously a fail. Since you brought up Brodziak, he will be a attendee at the Oilers Nation Open coming up in August. All the proceeds from that tournament going to Gregor's grads. So let's talk about Gregor's grads. Uh, if you don't know what it is, how would you how would you walk through that? So Gregor's grads started in 2013. Uh, I just I saw something that that I felt was was missing. Um, Cinderella's Closet is a wonderful charity for for high school girls who who can't afford a grad dress. And uh, they get all these dresses donated and, and then they get to pick a dress for their grad, which is awesome. Um, so I started that for, I was like, well, boys work just as hard. They deserve to look just as good and feel just as confident and, and not awkward at grad. And so I, I started Gregor's grads. We learned the first year that we, and we got a lot of donations. My listeners were awesome, but you can't really tailor a size 42 suit and make it fit a 40 or a 38, right? It doesn't work. So, so now um, I raise all the money and and we and we get new suits uh, through suppliers. Mr. Dirk is unreal. Um, the, the the high school grads come in. They get fitted, tailored for their own suit, shirt, tie, sock, shoes. Um, you know, Dirk's always throws in a few extra special like pocket uh, squares and stuff. So you know, like so th- these grads, like it's amazing to see their confidence when they stand in the mirror the first time with a suit on. And it's not even perfectly fitted yet. It's just because we go through the fitting stage. And, uh, and, and it's, it's really rewarding to see, you know, um, these kids, like a lot of these kids that don't, you know, some don't have the financial means, some don't necessarily have a big support system. And, you know, just to, to graduate is a pretty challenge. And a lot of them wouldn't go to grad because they're like, well, I don't have a suit and I don't want to feel out of place. And, you know, they get that suit and it's theirs to keep. I didn't want to just be a rental to me. That's kind of a waste of product. So they get to keep these suits. We tailor them purposely. So as they grow, they can go to a tailor for five bucks and take it out and, um, and I will say this, 100% of the money raised goes towards the suits. Um, it's my own charity. It's a small charity. We don't, there's no admin fees, right? I, I'm not a big fan of charities who, you know, you, you donate a thousand bucks, but 500 goes to administration. No, it's 100%. So everybody who plays in the tournament, they know that all the proceeds, um, it's going 100% to the grads. And um, I, I have a few letters that, that I read every year from the kids. And it's it's pretty emotional and heartfelt what it means to them to get that suit. 100%. If you want details on the Oilers Nation Open, go to nationgear.ca. Everything is right there. We always have a great time. The tournament is the best. I look forward to it every year, and I guarantee this year will be no different. I can't have you on the podcast, Jason, without asking you a couple of the silly nonsense questions that happen here at Better sure. Late Than Never. One of them that we've been talking about a lot recently is when you're by yourself 
you're at home, family's gone, wife's gone, kids gone. Do you have a snack that maybe you've been making yourself that's a little bit weird? Like as an example, the one that I always gave is I eat raw hot dogs all the time. I know it's probably not the best for me. It's a little bit gross. But growing up, it was just the one thing that we always had in the fridge. It was just me and my dad. Nobody could cook in the house. So I grab a raw hot dog, power it back. Some of the listeners had some really weird ones from raw egos to just the vegetable soup condensed mix right out of the can. Just some absolute animals out there. there something that kind of comes to mind of that you're powering back when no one's looking? Wow. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's anything that revolting. I have two things. <laughs> I grew up as a kid. Um, uh I, I like to put brown sugar and cinnamon on toast with butter. It's yeah, I've un- heard that. It's unreal, right? You put the butter, it melts, and then the brown sugar sticks, and then sure. you put a little cinnamon on. But then I dip it in hot chocolate, so I like that. And then the, the other one is, and, and this is recent, so um, my, my wife's are you know big in nutrition and stuff, so we have this magic spoon is the cereal that it's called. It's like as healthy as you can get for cereal. Yeah. And they have all different types because growing up, I love Fruit Loops. Well, obviously, we're not having Fruit Loops in the house because it's basically like 18 grams of sugar. So so there is a Magic Spoon one that is basically like a ripoff of Fruit Loops, right? It's got the little color. So I put Magic Spoon, half of it, and then half of Cashy mixed as a cereal. I love it. Do you have a quick dinner you make up for yourself? Like last night, I love eggs and toast for, for dinner. Just like whipping up some nice over easy eggs, a little bit of toast. That's a great one for me. Again, I'm tuna melts. I, I like to put the tuna melt uh, in the fryer, right? The air fryer, buddy. Of course. Put the tuna melt in the air fryer with, um, of course, uh, melted cheese on top. Uh, then I like to uh, garnish it with hot Frank's red hot sauce when it comes out. Love that. Love that. Uh, again, there's some really weird ones that came in when I asked this question on Twitter. That's why I like to ask everybody that comes Yeah, like on. I don't have any uh, kind of weird mixtures of, <laughs> of food things. Like I, I kind of like what I like and I eat it a lot and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a consistent guy. Like I could eat the same. I almost eat the same breakfast. I do switch it up now with my son because my son's on a four day breakfast. So we rotate, we have oatmeal then we have cereal and we have eggs then we have pancakes and it just rotates those four. And uh, obviously uh, oatmeal is his least favorite, but he still eats it. Um, so for me, uh, like I have yogurt, man. I've got my yogurt parfait that I have almost every morning. Sick. What goes in there? I have the uh, the, the the Greek yogurt, cup oh. of Greek yogurt. I put in some chia and hemp seeds. Uh, mix in collagen, right? Uh, there's a collagen powder, right? You stir it in because it's obviously gross on its own. So you stir that in. Uh, I also have this sweetener because the, the Greek yogurt is sugar-free. It doesn't taste great. So two drops of the sweetener. Then I mix in some cinnamon. Uh, also, uh, a third of a cup of all brand buds, and uh, I have a cup of either fresh strawberries or uh, frozen blueberries and frozen raspberries as a concoction. So Man, you're in line. You're keeping it tight over there at, at Shea Gregor. That, you know what, dude? I love that. It tastes really good, though, and it is healthy for you. Like, I'm a big believer in a healthy breakfast kicks off your day. So, uh, yeah, I, I eat that as much as I can. Like, on the road here this morning, I, you know, everybody's out, and I had oatmeal with berries for breakfast. And, but then I had two sides of eggs because I got a workout coming up. So I need a little protein, but I have a goal that I have to reach by October. So that's my, uh, that's what I'm on right now. Uh, is it a weight goal? What do you got going on? Uh, it's, it's, it's actually an inches around my waist goal. I need to shred about uh, a, an inch and a half. Okay. Yeah. Because my buddy told my, my buddy, uh, Jeff Woods is a big nutrition guy. They said for guys specific, 
Um, carrying extra weight around your uh, your belly button is the worst. That's where the most disease, that's it's going to be the, the number one leading cause for men. Most men, when we carry a few extra pounds, like we don't get big butts, right? It's not like yeah. you're carrying your extra weight there. Usually for guys, right, you got the spare tire. And so whatever your height is, if you're if you're six feet tall, which I am, 72 inches, then your waist around your belly button should be half. So it should be 36. And right now I'm just under 38. So I got to get down. Interesting. Well, that's a little friendly tip for you. Do the math if you listen to this. Yeah, it's just, like that's a, that's a baseline, right? It's probably not perfect for everybody, but it's a good, uh, you'll, you'll get a good baseline to know. And do it not around your hips, but do it around your belly button. Not uh, when you're inhaling and like sucking it in, like just relaxing. Yeah, no cheating. No yeah, cheating no on cheating. this one. Guys are amazed and they're just like, what? Like, yeah, it's uh, we're a little portlier than we should be. Oh, well, that's me too. Like coming out of winter, going into spring when it gets so cold, all you do is sit around and eat. Buddy, you're hibernating. You're like a bear. Now you got to get out in the summer. You know, you, exactly. you got to slim it down, right? Slim and trim, buddy. A little vitamin D, get it on your skin, feel good, look good. I like it. Yes. Oh, no who, doesn't more. Look, who doesn't look better in a tan? Of course. Of course. That means you got to cut out, unfortunately, danger suede, dipping your grilled cheese in chocolate milk, you animal. That's another well, that's a, I could try that, man. I, I could try it too. But there's oh. a lot of people out here eating things that we just don't need to put in our bodies. That's what I've learned when I ask this question. Like what? Oh, well, how's uh, the grilled cheese dipped in? Oh, this one's an interesting one because once upon a time, you and I went to Moose Jaw together and you were in Operation Keep It Tight at that time. And I went to get you a salad. And the, the dressing you had me put on there was mustard. How do you feel about mustard on popcorn? Because that one came in a few times. I like both of those things. I don't know if I want them together. Gosh, mustard. On, like, yeah, but... How do you eat, like, is it going to be mustard? Like, it's got to be, like, the dried mustard, right? Because you can't put, like, the real pour the mustard on. Then it's just all over your fingers. That'd be gross. So. I was going to ask for clarification, but I was too yeah. grossed out by it. So I yeah, just... It's got to be the mustard powder, I would think, right? Like, that's just, like, now you can go to the movie theater and any popcorn, you can get dill pickle or yep. spicy. So I'm guessing it's mustard spice. It can't be, like, actual mustard, can it? Like, that's going to be all over your hands. Like, no go for me. Like, butter, I don't mind, yep. but I don't want mustard. No, I don't want that either. This was another one that weirded that. me out. David says he leaves a frozen pizza pop on the counter until it's been thawed, but still cool and just eats it like that, which I thought was just a disaster. Just a disaster what we're doing. How hungover was he the first time he tried that? Because let's be honest, that had to come out of a, whole, a, a hungover. I have no energy. Give me the quickest thing. He probably put the pizza pop on the counter thinking he put it in the microwave, went back to bed for half an hour, woke back up, oh, my pizza pop. And he's like, yep. oh, screw it, I'm just going to eat it. Because there was no way that was an, an original planned idea. I, I agree with you 100%. A lot of us I've also learned are eating uh, frozen fries out of the freezer. I didn't know that was a thing. Huh. Again, I I, I'm an air fryer guy. I'll just pop those in for 10 minutes and they're good to go. I don't need them frozen. But we got a lot of those coming in. Uh, lastly, Jason, just because I know you're busy for this week, last question I've got for you. Do you have a bold prediction for the upcoming two weeks? We've got the draft coming up uh, Thursday, Friday, and then free agency kicks off on the 13th in the NHL. Do you have a bold prediction for the Edmonton Oilers that you think something may surprise Oilers fans that are listening? Ooh, may surprise. Um... Oh, that's a good one. We've talked so much. I don't know if there'd be a surprise at this point, but, um, oh, I'll, okay. I'll say the order signed Nick Delorier. That would be my surprise. Because yeah, if they're losing Kane, they may be moving Cassie. They need some toughness on this team. 
And my bold prediction would be that Zach Cassian is back again in October. Ooh, yeah, that's that's possible, right? It is possible. Um, it's a, I, I outlined the buyout. I'm not sure if the, like the buyout saves you 1.5 after you find a replacement. If you find a replacement for a million bucks, so you yep. save 1.5, but then you don't save any money in year two, and then you're down 966k in year three and four. Now they might not care at that, but. Uh, how uh, now are you saying that he's back as in like michael stone they buy him out and then he comes back after the buyout Jeez, that should have been my answer god that'd be great that would be because you all you floated that and walk me through it again if you would the duncan keith to arizona yeah. which was yeah. talking about getting creative with your cap space that was yeah. one that i loved well that's what they did Washington did it with brooks orpic right now see i talked to people there's no actual rule that says you can't do it Right. There's no rule that says you can't. Um, now, they might just trade him to Arizona and Arizona buys him out and then they don't do anything. So you could do that. But if he retires, then who cares? Right. Yeah. If he retires, it doesn't matter. But if he if he wanted to play, you could get creative. You trade him to Arizona. They buy him out. Then you re-sign him for a million bucks. So Keith actually ends up getting two million instead of one point five. So he would agree to it. Right. The Edmonton orders would drop their cap space from five point five three down to a uh, you know, million. And Arizona would get the, the the cap penalty, which is 4.5 on a buyout, which they need to get to the cap floor, right? Now, people are like, oh, that's cap circumvention. I'm like, why? To me, it's creative. There's nothing to leave. Every team can do it. You you have to find all three parties that are willing to do it. So how is it circ- – is, is it smart? There's nothing that says it's illegal. So actually, by the rule book, it's legal. Well, and I love the idea. And then another thing too, is where we're talking about buyouts. I'm looking at it right now. The Oilers currently for 2022-23 have $3.4 million in just dead cap space. That's with yeah. Lucic, James Neal, and Andre Sakara. So do you really want to add more to that? Because to me, I see a middle six winger or a defenseman with that money. That's just, you're burning it. You're throwing it away. Yeah. Like buy now Cassian this year would actually help you in cap space for the one year. And then next year, uh, Sekra and Lucic, so there's 2.25 that comes off, right? So th- that helps them a bit. But long term, I, I, I'm like I'm opposed to buyouts. I can understand it for short term, but usually the the long term benefit is rarely there. But it would help Edmonton for this coming season if they opted to do it with Cassian. And the window's open now, and it, and it's open until um, the 12th, I think it is. So they they've got time if they want to do it. Um, you know, after. The fact, like you look at a guy like Colin White who was bought out from uh, Ottawa. Yep. Lots of teams would be willing to sign him now for a million, a million and a half. Yep. It's going to be interesting to see. We are in the midst of silly season. We've got the draft coming up. We've got free agency right after that. Thank you, Jason Greger, for joining me on Better Late Than Never. As always, you can check out the Jason Greger Show on TSN 1260 on weekdays and the DFO Rundown twice a week with Frank Saravalli. Jason, thanks for joining us. Anytime. Caution! This podcast may contain traces of cheese and cherries. And with that, back to our regular programming. As always, thanks to Donkey Volley for doing the bumpers here on the show. If you want to do a bumper for Better Late Than Never, just leave it to me as a voicemail. Do something like Donkey Volley does. I'd love to incorporate more of your audio. Say, you're listening to Better Late Than Never. I'm so-and-so. I'll start playing those. I'd love to have your input on the podcast outside of our next segment which is always a fun one we've got the rig hand distillery voicemail rig hand distilleries 
that's where it's got that's where you gotta go rickhandstillery.com the tour and tasting coupon is still live on the website I encourage you to do it I encourage you to go out there go see the crew at Rickhand Distilleries sample their wares take a tour of the facility head on out to Nisku it's an adventure I promise you not only that you can get yourself a cocktail that you will enjoy be it the Brum from the Cast, double double for your coffee they've got it all at Rig Hand Distilleries. And that leads us to the voicemail. Yesterday on Twitter, I asked all of you, what is your bold prediction for the NHL entry draft? We'll see what we got. We've got only a handful of voicemails that came in so far, so we're going to keep this nice and tidy to end off the podcast. Here's the first voicemail. (laughs) Good start. La-di-da-di-da. It's the motherfucking B-A-double-G back milk. Ooh, I think I might just, I might just keep that. Oh, we've already got a banger to start. Um, you yeah, know, that's, that's all I've got for my prepared remarks. So, um, let's see what else I can come up with. Um, <laughs> I guess number one, pretty shit, pretty sad if pool party ends up leaving, but you know, whatever old mate, wish you all the best. Hope you win. Just not against us. Um, if we get dad bought back, that'd be pretty fucking cool. We were talking about on Oilers Nation Radio how much fun it would be to have dad bought back in the mix just because if the Minnesota Wild managed to re-sign Marc-Andre Fleury, chances are Cam Talbot doesn't want to be there as a backup. He wants to play. So could we potentially get a reunion? Nobody is saying that, by the way, but we are talking about it because why not? I love dad bought when he was here. It didn't end the way I liked. And I blame that on Peter Shirelli mostly. I blame that on Peter Shirelli, just as I do for a lot of things in my life. Peter Shirelli's fault. Um, trying to talk fast because I always go way too long on these fucking things. Um, also, if any of you are just out there fucking fiending for some more hockey, the Australian League's in full swing at the moment. Um, pretty sure they stream games for free on the internet somewhere. Uh, we only have 23 rinks in this entire country. Oh, fuck me. <sighs> too many beers. Um, 23 rinks in all of Australia. That's wild. There's probably 23 rinks around my house, you know? But it's growing the game. It's growing the game. I appreciate that ice hockey is the thing that Australians like. I know they like field hockey, but that's weird. They got those tiny little sticks that are all bent at the end. I don't like it. Some of them don't even have, like, glass. There's just netting after the boards. So, yeah, and, and they're... I used to play minor hockey in small towns because I'm from a small town outside of the city. And I'll always remember that when I was growing up in Callahoo, they had a chunk of the arena in Callahoo where it was chain link fence and not on and not glass. So if you ever got hit in that end of the rink in that one specific corner, you were in the mix for a bad time. Got you know, I've I've skated some of these rinks. I've played at some of them, and they've got divots like Tyler's been playing golf there. Um. So, yeah, the fact that we even have a national league for hockey is pretty good. So, you know, check it out if you're keen. If you're not keen and you don't want to check it out, don't fucking check it out. Anyway. <laughs> he, just, he just gets caught off there. Ah, oh, shit. He hit the time limit mid-sentence. I love that. And the best part about it was he said he was trying to talk fast, my sweet Australian friend there. What is your name, kind sir? Gentleman caller with the burps and the beers. I'd like to know what your name is. I'd like to know that. I'd like to actually know more about the Australian League. How many Canadians are over in that league, you know? They have a chance to play pro hockey. 
head on down to Australia. It's beautiful. I've been there. I spent a year in Australia. I loved it. Go down there and play some pro hockey. That sounds like a fun time to me. Next voicemail. Hey, Bag Milk. It's LCYYC. Uh, given that it's the off season and everything is slow right now, I have some off season news of my own. Um, my family and I have decided to screw Calgary and we are moving back to Edmonton. Whoop. Hang on. I got to press pause there and I'm going to go. LCYYC is going to turn into LCYEG. Am I right? Huh? Huh? Come on. Who doesn't like a, who doesn't like a couple of, uh, uh, who doesn't like that? You know? Airport code jokes, right? If I'm being honest, it took me a long time to find that crickets button. After 14 years of living in Calgary. So the next time you see me on a beatcast, I will be L-C-Y-E-G, I guess. If I didn't listen to the voicemails. I never do before I play them so I can give you my first reaction. L-C-Y-Y-C, her and I have been speaking long enough on the beatcast that I knew exactly what she was thinking. We're on the same wavelength here and I respect it. That name is still available. Um, yeah, so we're super excited. Can't wait to get back to the town that I grew up in and show my kids how awesome it is. And that's about all I got. Cheers. Yeah! Let's go, baby! I like that. Welcome back to the right side of the Alberta home market, I guess. The right side of the Battle of Alberta in terms of a homestead. Hey, no longer behind enemy lines. Gotta like that. And Calgary's also got that creepy head downtown. What is that statue about? I don't know anything about the background on it. All I know is that creeps me out. When we were there in uh, March, that was the last nation road trip down to Calgary. Walked by that head. And in the middle of the night, is uh, late at night, I should say, it is jarring. Nobody wants to see that. Hey, Bag Milk, it's Presto again. Um, I like your prediction that it's probably going to be Jesse. I think a big thing that's missing from all the debate, I just listened to the Oilers Nation podcast. Everyone seems to be blaming the Oilers. A lot of this falls on Jesse, too. He, Uh, There's, I mean, actually, no, I'm going to let you go on before I interrupt. Faltered in the playoffs big time. Yes, he had underlying analytics. So did Gaetan Hawes. So did a couple other guys. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. I will not allow any Gaetan Hawes slander on my podcast. Not today, presto. Not ever. Shout out to Gaetan Haas. I hope you're happy wherever you are. That never turned out. Yakushkin has a physical element to his game that Jesse doesn't. So to say he's automatically going to turn into him, I think, is false too. If Jesse wants to be in Edmonton, he would be in Edmonton, plain and simple. I do not think Ken Holland walked up and said, we're trading you. I think they talked. They're scared it's going to go to arbitration and they're going to have to pay him $4 million, which right now he is not worth. Now... Presto brings up a good point here. So in arbitration, I mean, it's not an exact science by any means, but generally you get a hundred grand for each point you get. So for Jesse, that would be about 3.6 million bucks. Would you pay him that on a one-year deal? I might be intrigued by it. I might dabble in that. I'm not offended by that. Why? Zach Cassie makes 3.2 and he produced about, uh, he produced 19 points over the last season, roughly half to what Yessa put put up so there are worse ways to spend that money but it's not ideal i'm not going to pretend like it is anyway back to presto 
That's my personal opinion. I hope they keep them. But again, you got to look at both sides. It's not just the Oilers. Um, I don't think we should trade down. I think they need to move that pick for a player now. Any- now, we're talking about the 29th pick now. I mentioned earlier, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded down to get more picks, but I am with Presto 100%. Let's package that baby up. The time to win is now. I love draft picks. I was talking about covering the draft earlier in the podcast. I love them. We all love them. Who doesn't love magic beans? They're exciting. They could turn into anything. But the window's open. They need to win now. If we're going to trade Yessa, what would Yessa and the first get you as a combination? Like now we're talking about something significant. Now we're talking about a potential impact player coming back and not a reclamation project, at least in my opinion. But again, nobody asked my opinion. Back to Presto. One they get in the second and third round is going to be two to three years to be here. We are in win now mode. Let's pray Duncan Keith retires, that they can trade Tyson Berry for someone like Susie or a goalie and then move on and tweak the roster after that. Keep up the good work, guys. Go Oilers. I like Presto. He hit a lot of points there. So a couple of bold predictions from Presto. Trade that first round pick. I'm with him on that one. I am absolutely with him on that one. I think it's time. It is time. Hey, Bagged Malk. I was just wondering, are you going to do any uh, Big Brother breakdowns on Better Late Than Never? Or are you and the boys going to talk about it on real life? Uh, Big Brother, when does that start? I think it's today or tomorrow. I don't know. I got to check my PVR to make sure that's all sorted for this. But I will 100% talk about Big Brother on here. 100%. I plan on throughout the summer. Like We've got some busy NHL weeks coming up. So there's going to be a lot of Oilers-heavy content here for the draft and for free agency. But I am 100% going to talk about Big Brother. I love it. I assume we're going to talk about it on Real Life too. But maybe listeners of this podcast, better late than never, maybe we could do a little pool of some kind. You know? Maybe we could do something on this podcast that makes it a little bit more interesting and interactive so that you guys can give your takes. Maybe it's just in the voicemail. Maybe we just do a big brother segment where you leave your voicemails. And instead of playing them now at the end of the podcast, I play them right in the middle. Again, I would love to also hear some righteous sack beatings from you guys. So if you're leaving a voicemail and you want it in the righteous sack beating, I know I didn't do one today because I was talking to Jason Greger for 45 minutes or whatever it was. Leave those for me with RSB and I will include those in the podcast. But to answer the question, hell yeah, we're talking big brother. Hey, Big Milk. Are there any prospects that have recently uh, been picked in the past 10 years that you were super stoked about? Not necessarily the Oilers per se, uh, but just any prospects that you've seen come up through uh, the systems and such like that of the NHL uh, that didn't pan out, but were supposed to be really high-end players. Um, Two examples of this that I thought were going to be really awesome picks um in the league i'm big oil kings guy and uh, i thought curtis lazar and uh, griffin reinhardt were bona fide nhlers that were can't miss prospects and it looks like both of them are just duds um are there any that you remember uh that were maybe before my time or anything in the past like i said 10 years that's just kind of shocking that they just didn't make it so i'm an Oilers fan obviously Everybody knows it. I don't hide it. Love the Oilers. So I'm going to keep your question just to the Oilers because there are plenty, plenty of picks that I was hoping that would really turn out, that were really going to make a difference for the team. So I'm going to start going back to, I'm going to start with 2006 and I'm going to walk through some that I liked. Theo Peckham, do you guys remember him? 
I always thought that that guy could hit like a truck. I thought that he was going to be a prospect that was going to be a shutdown defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. I believed in Theo Peckham. The very next year, 2007, Linus Omark. Who didn't believe in Linus Omark? He came in, he did the spinny, spinny, shoot-up goal. We're all like, oh, look at this guy. Didn't do anything. 79 total games played in the NHL. Another one that I loved, Big Finn. Timu Hardikainen, he got picked in the sixth round of 2008. He only got into 52 NHL games, but damn it, did I think that he was going to turn into something. Keeping going, Anton Lander, 2009. You're in the intro, fucking Anton Lander. That guy, we had heard about how he could be the next captain of the Oilers. He was the captain of the AHL team. He had all the leadership skills, but the guy couldn't skate all that well. He just couldn't put it together, Even, even still. The first round of that same draft in 2009, Magnus Pajarvi Svensson, Magnus Pajarvi. I thought, and this is my hot take that did not age well, and I'm going to share it with you now if you don't know what it is. When Hall, Eberle, and Pajarvi all came into the league together, I thought Magnus Pajarvi was going to be the best of the three. Why is that? Because I was at a preseason game against the Tampa Bay Lightning when he scored a hat trick. And I was like, this guy is the shit. And he didn't really quite work out for us. He played 467 NHL games, but he only amassed 124 points. I expected more than that. Keeping on going, 2010, Curtis Hamilton. I remember him in the second round. I was excited about Curtis Hamilton. I believed in Curtis Hamilton. I've also got a very big history of believing in goalies. Franz Tuoma from 2011 they picked him in the seventh round he had solid stats over in finland and i just i thought he was going to be something i really really did i thought that he was going to turn into something same draft i thought dylan simpson was going to get into more than three nhl games over the course of his career i loved dylan simpson but there's no real reason 2012 daniel zarkov do you guys remember that game or that name he was drafted in the third round he said he was going to be better than nail yakupov well, he didn't even get into a single NHL game. Now, Yakupov, however, he played 350 games, bounced around, and now is playing in the KHL. We're going to keep it moving and going. 2013, Anton Slepeshev. I loved him. Uh, he did play 102 games before bouncing back to the KHL, but the guy taken before him in the third round, five picks earlier, in fact, Bogdan Yakupov, or Yakimov, I should say, he was huge. I thought that Russian was going to lock down the center position, at least at the third line level. He only played one NHL game. I can keep going here. Uh, we're going to move on to 2015. Uh, John Marino, I believed in that pro- uh, that pick in the sixth round. As it turns out, he's going to be pretty good. Didn't want to play here. That one sucked for me. Uh, another one, let's keep it going. I'm just scrolling through here quickly as we go. Uh, 2017, fourth round pick, Ostop Safin, another big guy from the Czech League. I thought he was going to do something for us, did not. Same with Kirill Maximov, taken in the fifth round of that same draft. I thought he was going to do something for us, he did not. Uh, I'm still excited about Dmitry Samarokov. He was in the third round of the 2017 draft. There's still time on that one. Uh, also, goalies that I always looked at, there was, where did that guy go? Bear with me, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Olivier Roy, I remember thinking that we got a good one there. I also thought the same thing for Dylan Wells. He was traded. I'm just, I think the point here is that I'm not very good at this. 
I'm just not very good at it. So if I get excited about a prospect that's taken in the later round, don't listen to me. Even 2019, Ilya Konovalov, the goaltender. Again, I get sucked in by goaltenders. I thought he was going to be an answer for us. They just terminated his contract. He is heading back to Russia. Did not work out. So to answer the question, have there been any prospects that I liked that just didn't pan out? Fuck, man. If I had more time to actually prep and I actually did the right thing and listen to the voicemail before I start doing this segment, I probably would have more names for you. But it's endless. It really is endless. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I am not good at this. So the lesson here, just be happy that your boy Bag Milk is not a scout because I would probably not be very good at it. Maybe if we were playing uh, be a GM mode in the NHL games for me, a sports, I'd be okay. But right now, I'm just not. And that'll do it for the Rick Hand Distillery voicemail. <laughs> Rickhand Distilleries. Go check them out, rickhanddistillery.com. Tour and tasting coupon is there whenever you need it. I recommend that you take it. I recommend that you take it. I do it. It's a good time. I liked it. You'll like it too. And you can find out more details at rickhanddistillery.com. And there you have it. Episode 30, Better Late Than Never, we did a little Oilers draft predictions. I want to say thank you to Jason Greger. Again, I told Greger what we were going to do about 15, 20 minutes. We did over 40 minutes. So if you are a potential guest for this podcast, I just want to let you know you should probably clear some extra time because I am verbose. I like to ask questions. And sometimes we meander into territories that are just kind of, you know, we steer it into the ditch sometimes. But that's what this podcast is for, Better Late Than Never, you know? Keep leaving me voicemails. This week, my question for you at the end of the podcast, if you made it this far, I want to know what do you like about Better Late Than Never and what do you not like about the podcast? What could I do less of? So I want you to leave me a voicemail with those answers to those questions. What do you like that I do on this podcast? Second question, what do you not like that I do on those podcasts? Let me try to improve it for you. Let me improve the experience for you. Please keep interacting. That's what makes this podcast fun. That's what makes it work. And that's what's going to make it continue to go and be successful. Again, draft coming up Thursday, Friday. Free agency coming up shortly after that. We'll have all the coverage at weatherstation.com. And until then, I'll talk to you later. Oh!